This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen. Content presented on the following podcast is for information purposes only. Views and opinions expressed during this podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent views of the Whole Care Network. Always consult your physician for medical and fitness advice, and always consult your attorney for legal advice. And thank you for listening to the Whole Care Network. There is no greater honor that's bestowed on another person than to be there when life transitioned. We all have our stories, and by sharing them, we can truly show the power of the human spirit. Hello, my name is Jody O'Donnell Ames, and welcome, welcome, welcome to another wonderful episode of Gratitude to Latitude, Stories of Resilience and Hope. I am so thrilled to have my guest with me today, Christopher McLellan who has been a friend for a very long time, colleague, mentor, and so much more. Chris, welcome to the show. Jody, goodness gracious, St. Ignatius, we're doing a podcast together. This we is awesome. We are doing a podcast together. So a little bit. And it's bit, your podcast. It That's is, even better. It's my podcast very much at the inspiration and direction of you, your help and guidance have taken me along this journey and path and brought me to this place today. So thank you so much. Well, you know, I've been kind of tickling you over the years for you to do a (laughs) podcast because you have such a wonderful message. It's great that it's finally happened because things happen in their time. I agree with definitely things happening within the time. It took a little while Thank you for your patience with me. I also want to say my voice today is a little off, so I apologize. Hopefully, it's just a little intriguing as it's raspy. But Chris, you have been a dear friend. You are the founder of the Whole Care Network, which is a platform all about, originally all about caregiving. And you and I have a lot in common, which we will be talking about. But I wanted to say that Kudos to you, first and foremost, for taking a very difficult time in your life, an enormous loss of your partner, Richard, and all of the challenges that experience provided you with and the lessons, and you turned that into the whole care network, which is really a safe place for people who are caregivers to connect, find resources and to support one another. So just thank you so much for the platform of wellness you have created for so many. Uh, thank you, Jody. And, and I think what's so important in this vast network of caregiving is to kind of give back from your experience. And I was blessed to have a wonderful caregiving experience. And as uh, the years have uh, gone past now, since it's now seven years since Richard made his life transition, 
you, you kind of find your path and your way in your own time because it, for each person, it's different as each, as everybody's caregiving journey is different. Life after caregiving journey is different as well. And, you know, I created the Whole Care Network as a tool for caregivers to share three things, validation, resources, and respite. Validation, resources, and respite. Those are the three most important things that all caregivers need. Wow. And I also believe that validation and resources and respite, when they're shared from one caregiver to to another, that's the most uh, trusted resource that a caregiver can have because when another caregiver is giving that information out, you know it's been, they've been in the trenches with it. You are so right. Caregiving is something, and loss too, is something that we really don't fully understand until we've lived it. So being able to connect with others who understand that journey is so powerful as a resource. So thank you again for those three things and three ideas, which you made the the platform for this purpose. Those things are key. Thank you. So I'd like to go back to when I first met you. I met you through a friend, Jack Tater. Jack is... Amazing. He's amazing. I'm going to finish your sentence. He's amazing. (laughs) He's amazing. He is a ball of energy. He's an innovator. He's a, you know, free thinker. He's a Bitcoin expert. And he was publisher at the time. I was, he, he was a publisher. And uh, I originally had Jack on my first podcast, Be a Healthy Caregiver, many years ago. He had reached out and he's, an expert in retirement planning. And we just struck up a rapport. Anybody who meets Jack knows you've got a friend for life. We met through when he started the publishing company with the brand, What's the Deal? And uh, that's you know another example of why it's so important to, to kind of share stories and resources because that's how you and I met and, and established this wonderful friendship along the way. I agree. What's the deal with caregiving? I think you were one of the original speakers on the topic. I, you know, the the book itself, it's now, oh goodness, five, six years old. It's, I, I do have an update that's ready to go, but I, uh, you know, it, it was a labor of love and it was another way to share information, share resources and validate caregivers. But also it was a, another way to honor and remember my partner, Richard, because you know, the book, it's not a how-to book. It's not a memoir. It's a combination of both. And uh, I think and looking back and writing it, uh, it was also cathartic because I was able to look back at, at myself and share stories, uh, especially after his life transitioned about what, you know, what happened with me, what the, the good decisions I made, the bad decisions I made, and just being able to share those with people to to help those who will experience the same thing down the road. Well, you wrote that book the same time that I was working with Jack. And I want to share that you have another book as well. So we'll definitely share how to find these books, where to find these books, and how to find you. But I want to go back to not only did you write What's the Deal with Caregiving based on your experience and your loving care to Richard while he battled cancer. But you also 
penned a book called In Sickness and in Health, A Couple's Final Journey, which is a Pulitzer Prize story from 2015, correct? It was written in 2015. Right. The uh, The story was uh, written actually in 2014 and then nominated for a Pulitzer Prize in 2015. And I was very uh, grateful for uh, for the Sun Sentinel and Diane Laid and Carlene Jean, who were the journalist on the story. This, you know, they followed us along for seven months up until Richard made his life transition. And I, I think what the story, and even though it's seven years old, uh, it's timeless. You know, what the story told was uh, about the love and care, not only the love and care that we had, but the trials and tribulations that all caregivers have, not just same-sex couples. All caregivers have these trials and tribulations. And in fact, Jody, I, I know you know this, but I want to make sure your listeners hear it. There's, there's one issue across the board in any culture, any race, that is indiscriminate. It's caregiving. Mm-hmm. Caregiving impacts everybody. Doesn't matter if you're black or white, gay or straight, Hispanic or American, or you're whether you're from a different country, everybody's impacted by caregiving and everybody wants to do the same thing. They want to be able to care, love and care for their person, for for their care partner. I'll use the generic word care partner uh, as best as they can. And that's why caregivers connect so well, because we can share our stories. And even if we don't know the person personally, we do know, we do know them. We know what they're doing. And, and that's why it's so gratifying to be able to, you know, meet people like you, you know, we probably would never have met unless we'd had the opportunity to share our story and look what, look what wonderful relationship, friendship that we've established because we were able to share our story. And that's what we're trying to do. I think that's what I'm trying to do the rest of my life is to be able to have an outlet for people to share their stories because it's so cathartic because I know it was for me. I agree. And I think the example of being um, nominated for the Pulitzer Prize is an, it's a an confirmation that your story made an impact. Your story had to be told and shared that caregiving doesn't always have one, one face. It affects right. everyone. It looks differently. But the bottom line is, is we want to love and be loved in this life. We want to right. love and be loved. And there's really no greater honor, in my opinion, and I think you feel the same way, than to love someone at the end of their life and to provide the resources they need, the comfort, mm-hmm. the security, the grace, the dignity they need as they transition. I couldn't have said that better myself, Jody. There, there is no greater honor that's bestowed on another person than to be there when life transitioned. And, and I know when I held Richard when he died, you know, Richard claimed to be an agnostic Jew, and then I'm a former Catholic seminarian, but I know when I held him and told him that I loved him, uh, I know that he was going to a better place because he was finally going to be at peace and pain-free. And as difficult as that loss is, we find our own, in our own time, we find that same comfort in our life after caregiving that we say 
in those final words to our care partner, to our loved one. So, and that's why, again, it comes back to sharing the stories. That's why it's so important to share the stories. And I'm just a big proponent now that I'm in life after caregiving, that it's equally as important to share the stories about what happens after caregiving ends, because that's not often talked about. That's why we kind of continue to be an advocate moving forward. So we both have that in common. As you so beautifully and eloquently stated, I had the honor of holding my husband as he passed away as well. And you're right. Caregiving is, is the beginning of that whole conversation and journey because grief and loss is another proponent of that experience. And what you have done is truly stepped into your, your place of courage and resilience and also gratitude because you looked at the blessing of having that relationship and how you would honor Richard moving forward. And what I really want to know and I think a lot of people would want to know is, how do you find your voice and that purpose moving forward? I know from my own experience, after providing care for someone 24-7 for six years, you don't even know what day it is sometimes. Right. I mean, I remember driving places, getting there, and not knowing how I got there. I remember having conversations and then not knowing anything that was said on the phone. When you are in the throes of caregiving and someone is terminally ill, you do what you need to do. And some of that is not kept in your memory because it's a fight or flight experience. And so how do you find your voice and your purpose and your vision after such a difficult situation? Well, it's an excellent question, Jody, And I, I think I can answer it in, in kind of two parts. One of the things that was that helped me along the way uh, was to find an outlet. For me, blogging was an outlet before there was podcasting. And I, what blogging does for you is it gives you the, the opportunity to kind of journal, if you wish, and it puts your thoughts down in real time. But here's the real benefit of the blog. And now I'm knowing seven years passed since Richard died, I can go back to that blog and I can look at different things that happened that on certain days and I can remember, I have vivid, I can have vivid memories of what, what transpired, what we did good, what we didn't do uh, good, but that memory was there and it's there for other people to, to see. And then I, I think the other thing is having a, Having somebody, having a confidant, somebody that you can go to and talk to openly and express yourself, sharing your frustrations. Caregiving is hard. Caregiving is emotional. And the, the other intriguing thing about caregiving is there's, you know, there's two very common aspects to it. There's a beginning and there's an end. And in most cases, we're not prepared for either one of these life-changing experiences. I always ask this famous question to people. Do you have caregiving on your bucket list of things you'd like to do in life? You know, nobody prepares for it. Right. Prepares Perfect. for something like this. Perfect. And then it ends. Right. And then, you know, that, especially if it's a, a relationship or a partnership or a marriage, it's kind of like two, losing two relationships at one. And you lose your identity in it. 
but you come back to those three things, the validation, the, the uh, respite, the resources, and then the love, care, and commitment. You find some solace in that. But with that, you have to have an outlet, whether it's blogging or a confidant, talking to that individual, a trusted resource, because there are times you're going to have to blow off steam. It's going to be frustrating dealing with the medical system or the legal system when you're trying to be an advocate for your for the person that you're caring for and how frustrating that can be. And then it's frustrating dealing with your care partner or your loved one because you want them to do things. You'd like them to do things a way that you want them to do, but then you have to remember that the, care, the caregiver is not the one dealing with the illness. The caregiver is not the one sick. We're there as the co-pilot. Having that outlet, talking to a, an objective third person is really beneficial as, as you move along in the journey. All extremely important points. Thank you so much. And I'm going to reiterate because I, I like these to be repeated. A confidant who can be a sounding board while being just a good listener. You know, someone who won't judge you. And I think we need to feel right. like we're not judged by our exhaustion or the thoughts that we might have or our worries or concerns or fears or anxiety. It's being vulnerable. So uh, having someone uh, that you can uh, trust in that. Right, and I'll give you an example why that's so important if you don't mind me no, jumping in do. here. I had people tell me while I was in the midst of caring for Richard, well, why are you putting so much effort into this? He's not your responsibility. The other thing to be mindful of is when, when you're talking to somebody who's never had a caregiving experience before, right. they don't, don't really, they don't really understand. They may see it on the surface, but they don't understand the emotional component of it because caregiving is 100%, not maybe even 110% emotional. It's very physical as well. It's very physical as well, very, very much so. But it's the emotions that, at least from my point of view, it's the emotions that really run the gamut that impact all aspects of your life, your work life, your social life, your any type of hobbies. It's the, the emotion because you think, you think your caregiving cape can just snap and make, make everything okay. But there's days that it, you can't because you're not in total control. And there are days and that you're sleep deprived, you know, you forget to eat. <laughs> I, I wish I would have forgotten to eat. <laughs> I went the other way. I, I Oh, something's in the refrigerator. I can't let that go. <laughs> well, again, the, the confidant is key. I agree completely. The blogging was a way for you to really record memories and to get them out of your head and onto paper. And right. I'm so glad you have those to, to cherish. And also anyone who is in that situation and is looking for maybe validation to feel like they're heard or understood can check out your blog. How does someone find that? Well, the old blog, is, the old original blog is called The Purple Jacket. It is in its original form that was established in 2011. <laughs> I've never changed it because it's kind of like home. And the other important thing about the blog is it was something that 
Richard and I did together, he, you know, he participated uh, and he didn't write it. He would tell me some of the things that he would like me to, to write about. But people started following us because they would they'd want to know how Richard was doing. And Richard got a little nickname <laughs> in the blog, TLO. Uh, TLO stands, <laughs> stood for, and still stands for this day. The little one, because Richard was a foot shorter than me. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so he, uh, and people would call or, or write to him. They want to know, how's TLO doing today? <laughs> oh, and he, I love you know, that. He loved that. It was something that was something we could do together that wasn't, was related to caregiving per se, but it was something that allowed us to kind of talk about the experience because that's the, was one of the really great things about our relationship is there was nothing left un, uncovered. I knew exactly what he wanted, when he wanted. And when it was time to do hospice, I knew exactly that's what he wanted to do. There was no, as hard as it was, there was no second guessing on my part because we had the ability to have those conversations about end-of-life wishes. It sounds as though the blog and those conversations actually were kind of a catalyst to healing because you were you recognize anticipatory grief. You recognize right. that losses occur before then the biggest loss, right? You lost right. so many losses mm-hmm. occur prior to that that eventual loss. And having the the chance to address these issues through conversations and connection is I think is just a great idea. Yeah, I think that there's so many things that I miss about him. But that's one of the things that I miss the most is just those, those conversations that we used to have about what, not just what our wishes were about, but just having, you know, the, having those day-to-day conversations. How you doing? You understand that 100%. I understand that completely. Some days I still have those conversations. I just put them out there and, and wait for a response with Kevin. I, <laughs> I talk to him just about every day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if, even if it's just TLO, I really miss you today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. First mm-hmm. thing in the morning and last thing before I go to bed with my prayers. So thank you for making me feel a little more normal in doing so. So the third thing you mentioned was, and this is huge. This is a huge concept, I think, for especially long-term caregivers, a loss of identity. In some ways, we can parallel long-term caregiving to being a parent. So when when you parent and your child leaves the nest and then you feel like you've lost your identity, when you are a caregiver and someone is completely dependent on you for their quality of life day in and day out, and you, you know, you don't have time to be with your friends, you don't have time to socialize, you maybe you no longer go to work because your caregiving is taking um, its place, and you lose someone you love. And this was the person that fueled your every existence. So you, you know, loss and the loss of identity and how to get back into 
joy, how to find joy again and get back to into the everyday living is a huge challenge. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I've had my ups and downs in trying to get back to joy. I will re- readily admit to your listeners that, you know, I wore grief on my sleeve for a long time. Me too. Me too. And finding your identity, it's, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's a challenge. Grief is different for everybody. There's not one set of rules where where grief applies specifically to an individual. You just, you know, what I've learned through my experience is you just, the days that you're feeling bad, you just have to own it. And it's okay. Like if you're driving down the road and your memory's jogged about something and you feel like you're going to cry, pull off to the side of the road and just do it. It's okay. So I'm not the only one who does that? Yeah. It's, uh, and it's a healthy, it's a healthy cry. If I could share these, these five things that I think people experience after caregiving ends. Please. Would that be? Please. I feel like there's five things that happens, five emotions uh, that you all, that everybody experiences one care, once caregiving ends. There's relief and it's okay to feel relief that it's over, that the caregiving is over and that you can, you don't have to sleep with one eye open. And uh, uh, it's okay to feel relief. And then you're going to experience sadness. Uh, Sadness that the life that you once knew is different. It's that part where the identity and you realize that something profound has changed two or more lives forever. And then there's uh, that, you know, I'll go back to my seminary Catholic training. There's that guilt, you know, that guilt, those what ifs. Survivor's guilt. Yeah, yes. If I could have just done something different, I, I would have, you know, I, you know, I just, if I would have made this different decision, you know, that, you know, guilt is, um, you know, I, especially if it becomes unresolved guilt, it can be really damaging. And then there's, uh, there's that day where you get to acceptance, where you realize that uh, no matter what you think you could have done, your care partner or your loved one, however you want to describe the person, and for me, it was a loved one, that their destiny was already set. You can't change somebody else's destiny. You can only make them comfortable. And you wake up that morning and you say, you know what? Job well done. You did what you could, when you could, and no matter what else you think you could have done, it wasn't going to change their destiny. But then the fifth one, and I've only learned this, Jody, in the last, I'd say, year and a half. You have to take action. Mm. You have to take action. And what I mean by that is you have to live life in the present. You know, my life-changing experience happened about a year year and a half ago with a trip to Spain. And when I realized that I had been devoid of a goal since probably since before Richard, certainly before Richard died, but most definitely after he, after he died, because I'd been in survival mode for so long. Like it was like getting to the next day was a chore. There were days, Jody, and I share this, I'm not ashamed to share it, but there was days after Richard died where the, the leftover morphine looked a lot better than going to the next day. I, I appreciate you being so honest and 
I don't think that that's anything that sounds so shocking when you are in the throes of enormous grief. Yeah. And when I recognized that I had been devoid of a goal, but it was a year and a half ago and I was sitting in a, sitting in the hotel in Spain and Barcelona. And it's like, oh my God, I could live here. I, you know what? I, you know, I've met somebody. I could, I could fall in love again and not have it, what's the right word? Not have it impact the love that I once had. And it was like this metamorphosis that just transcended my mind about where I was in my life. So I was able to kind of set a goal for for me, you know, like I could do something for myself instead of it's okay to do something for yourself. So what's my goal? My goal is to fall in love again. My goal is to grow the network and live in Spain and share these stories from a, in a way that can help people on their journey. And instead of just being, trying to make it to the next day, now it's, you know, I'm focused on What's good for Chris? That may sound selfish. Not at but, all. Not at all. But, you know, when, you, when you're in the throes of caring for somebody else and you give so much, it's okay to think about yourself. And in fact, the most important job a caregiver can have is, is self-advocacy. Taking care of yourself is job number one. You just piled on some amazing nuggets of useful information. Those stages are excellent. Action is amazing. Basically, what you're saying is honor your past, right. welcome and, and embrace your present and future. Very, I, I'm very well said. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Honor your past. Mm -hmm. And I think the same as you, I lived in grief for probably a decade. I could not say Kevin's name without crying. For a decade, right. it's been 20 years. And he is a part of my daily thoughts, but now he is a part of my thoughts as that was an experience and a love that I was blessed to have. And it changed my life. And it changed my life in so many ways. And I'm honoring him every day with utilizing what he taught me, how he made right. me a better person. Mm -hmm. the stories that we shared, the gifts he gave me. And so that's what that is, honoring your past, welcoming and embracing your present and your future. And I'm so yeah. excited because when you move to Spain, I'm visiting you. <laughs> that is for You've sure. You've got an open invitation. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, I want to thank you for inviting me to the Whole Care Network to be a part of it, to share my podcast there. I can't let you go without giving your information, but I also want to share that you are a fashionista in your own right. <laughs> the bow tie guy, the purple jacket. I know you have over 40 great nieces and nephews. What do they have to say about your purple jacket and your bow tie? Well, uh, <laughs> it's... <laughs> I've never been asked that. I love that. Yeah, I have. I have. Well, I, I have to go through the whole the whole line here. I have... <laughs> Five older siblings. They're, and I'm going to give their ages just to kind of irritate them. But, uh, but they also are, I, I've got my care gene from all of them. I have four older sisters and a brother. 
from 72 to 82, 25 nieces and nephews. I have I, I have nieces and nephews there that are just four, four years younger than me. Wow. And from there, there's 40 great nieces and nephews. And I think, I think there's some great nieces and nephews on the way too. But, <laughs> you know, being a single man my entire life, well, I, I can't say my entire life. We had Richard and Richard was loved by all of them. They, you know, they kind of like this concept of the bow tie guy and, you know, this the purple jacket, you know, I, uh, but I, I think the other thing, and I want, want to make sure I, I, I get this out correctly. In those circles, Jody, I'm known as the FU. The FU? Yeah. Favorite uncle. Oh. <laughs> what were you, Jody, now what were you thinking? I wasn't thinking anything. So do they actually call you? Oh, yeah. Favorite they call uncle? me the FU. Do they also yeah. call you for fashion advice? <laughs> I don't think I, I you know, I, I'd like, I'd like to maybe after you're promoting this, they will, but, <laughs> but they do ask me how many bow ties I have. Well, I love and your signature look. I love the fact that you wear bow tie. It's, it's pretty unusual these days. And I love that well, you rock it with confidence. You know, wearing a bow tie, Jody, is like wearing two smiles. Ooh, I will always remember that. So. Um, you are definitely, Chris, an amazing man, obviously, a dear friend, a colleague, and a partner in this journey for advocacy and for caregiving. You walk the walk of gratitude to latitude, stories of resilience and hope. You've given me hope in this conversation. How does anyone get in touch with you? Where do they find you? Well, there's a couple of ways uh, you can uh, you can find me on the, the wholecarenetwork.com. I'm pretty much all over all social media, either as uh, the Bowtie Guy or the Bowtie Guy Three. Our original blog, The Purple Jacket, is still live and available for people to read. And I think the other thing is our story, our 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 Pulitzer Prize nominated story in sickness and health. A Couple's Final Journey is still available online. If you just uh, Google uh, LGBT dying couple or in sickness and health, A Couple's Final Journey, Sun Sentinel. Is you, it on uh, Amazon? No it's, it, it, no, it's not on Amazon. It is on, what's the deal with caregiving is on Amazon, but there's a specific uh, landing page for, for the story that can be accessed uh, online either in any of my profiles or directly through the uh, Sun Sentinel. Thank you so much. One last quick question. Is there a bow tie color that you do not have? I might be sending uh, you one. <laughs> yeah. Is there a bow tie color that I do not have? That you don't have and want. Oh, I would like a, well, it's a mixture, but uh, I would like a bow tie, bow tie in the Mardi Gras colors, purple, green, and yellow. You got it. Thank you so much, Chris, for being here today. Thank you for having me on the Whole Care Network, inviting me um, to join your journey, your efforts. I'm so proud. I know Richard is too, of all that you've accomplished in this short time. And kudos to you, my friend. Take care and thank you. Thank you, Jody. Continued success with your projects. And I'm happy to have you on the Whole Care Network. This is awesome. It is awesome. Take care.
This is WCN. The Whole Care Network. You talk. We listen.